The Football Pod on OTB Sports. Do you still listen to the Football Pod or is that like texting your ex? Absolutely. As I often said, I'm jealous that uh, I don't know who's so good, the little whore. <laughs> the Football Pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. Andy Mitten is with us in the line. Andy, you weren't at Euro 2012, were you? No, that was the last tournament I, I, I missed. Um I was in America for a month, so I was watching it um, from from afar. But I was at, I was at sixteen, I was at twenty. Just thinking a year ago, I was on the road for thirty two days covering um, that tournament. But no, I've uh, I wasn't there in twenty twelve. Spain won it, didn't they? They did. They were uh, they were pretty damn good that year, to say the least. Um, we're going to turn our attention to Manchester United because even in the off season. It turns out that Manchester United are a pretty interesting storyline. The big thing over the course of the weekend was uh, Richard Arnold going for pints with the Manchester United fans and uh, some Manchester United fans, uh, one in particular recording Richard Arnold and everything that he was saying. Just uh, f- First of all, when this story broke, Andy, was it a sort of head-in-the-hands moment being like, oh no, here we go again? Or, or what was your initial emotion to, to leaked videos of, of Richard Arnold chatting to fans? When I saw it had been leaked, uh, I wasn't convinced that was uh, the right thing to do. Uh, I don't think Richard Arnold came out of it too badly, actually. Mm. Um, he met the fans. He gave his perspective. Uh, agreed with some of it. I disagreed with other parts of it. But fans are annoyed at the moment. Manchester United were terrible last year. Lost the last six away matches. There's been continued protests uh, against the Glazer, uh, more so this year since uh, the results completely turned. But there were also significant protests last year after the announcement of the European uh, Super League. So the mood's on the floor among United fans and the the, the lack of uh, players so far has frustrated um, some fans. Uh, from Richard Arnold's perspective, he maintains that he's now in charge. He's going to do things his way. Been so many changes at the club, so many staff leaving. Literally every week, I get a member of staff ringing me saying, "I'm going," and some of them are pushed and some of them jump. And United have lost a lot of good people in the last year, and they've also lost a lot of people. It's probably wise that they've moved on from. Manchester United the reaction to the fans going um, to the pub was pretty varied among Manchester United fans ranging from good this man's a glazer puppet he's he's part of the damage which the owners are doing to Manchester United and have done since that takeover in 2005 and you had a lot of other people saying turning up or intending to turn up at someone's house is is well out of order and a whole gamut of opinions um, from the fans in, in, in between. I think that if the video hadn't been leaked, it would be very, very hard to, to criticise Richard Arnold for what he did. And even the video being leaked, it's not his fault. So, like, I think that what would you do if you were in Richard Arnold's situation? I mean, I think he, I think he handled it quite, quite well. I mean, I, I would assume that the, the, the vast majority of Manchester United fans are, are okay with at least the contents of what Richard Arnold said and the decision to go and, and meet the fans who were due to turn up at his house. Yeah, uh, I think what he said, um, the words are fine. Um, there was honesty there. Fans are not stupid. They know that 
huge amounts have been squandered on players. You know that Manchester United have underperformed massively. All this is taking place under the cloud of the Glazer ownership of the club. So whatever the club do, and they've done lots of good stuff, um, smaller stuff, which has helped match-going fans. Ticket prices have not gone up for over a, a decade. Been loads of good initiatives. United were excellent um, during COVID, engaging with the local community. Didn't take furlough like other clubs did. But the mood is always dependent upon results. Now, there's been times when uh, the fans have protested when Manchester United have been league champions. That that takeover was hugely controversial, and the hangover is still prevalent now, um, 17 years later. Richard Arnold's got the best uh, intentions. He knows what the fault lines are. He knows what the issues are. He's got a very, very tough job, as has Eric Ten Hag. You're up against uh, Manchester City with the way they're funded. You're up against Liverpool, who've recruited in a far smarter way than Manchester United. And it's a pretty grim time for Manchester United. New manager's come in. I spoke to lots of people in football about him. Got really good recommendations of him as a coach. Let's see what he's like as a manager. But when Ralph Rangnick came in, you also had people like Jurgen Klopp saying, wow, the Premier League's so lucky to have this guy. And that didn't work out either. I think he won nine out of 27 um, matches. So it's difficult. You, you say Manchester United fans turn up. You can never speak for all Manchester United fans. I mean, I go to a lot of games. I speak to a lot of people. I try and soak on, get on boards, loads of different opinions, but so many different types of Manchester United fans and, and they all want different things. You've got people who go to every single game home and away. Might want something slightly different to someone who's never been to a match and just wants United to uh, sign more players. Everyone's completely different and the fan base is so fractured. It's basically thousands, maybe millions of groups of mates who all think they're all the, the right and that everyone else is wrong. So huge amounts of intolerance among Manchester United fans towards other Manchester United fans. And when the mood is grim, and it has been grim, um, there's a lot of tension around. There's tension outside the club. There's tension within the club. And it has not been a happy year so far for Manchester United. The main reason for that is that the football has been absolutely terrible. Terrible. It's all right seeing players in the in the gym. I wouldn't have minded seeing them turn up on the pitch at Sellers Park last month. And I get the fact that they're showing that they're being professional. But excuse Manchester United fans for being a little bit circumspect at the moment and for being low on confidence on a lot of those players. It really has been an awful year, compounded by the fact that Manchester City won the league, Liverpool nearly won the league. Liverpool, clearly a brilliant team, reached another European Cup final, miles ahead of Manchester United. And to go to places like Anfield and stand in the away end and see your team destroyed... Um, is no fun and Manchester United fans expect and deserve better without ever thinking they've got a divine right to win anything. These are the hard yards at the moment. But loads of years of success and they were fantastic, but the times right now are anything but. And Andy, what's a good season next season then? Like what's what's your definition for what would qualify as one? 
far better than last season. I think you've got to say top four because realistically, I can't see Manchester United winning the league. I'd love to see a manager starting to get his ideas across, his philosophy, his project, call it what you will. I'd like to see individuals playing far better than they have done. There's a big obsession with the transfer window at the moment. Well, I remember the last one and being delighted with it come the end of it because Jadon Sancho had been signed, Rafael Varane, Cristiano Ronaldo. Bringing players in is no quick fix, as Manchester United fans have learned. Most of the transfers in the post-Ferguson era have either underwhelmed or failed. United routinely make world-class players worse players. And if Eric Ten Hag has got his own method and way of doing things, all power to his elbow. United have been led down the garden path so many times and signed big names and all the fans, including myself, I've got excited when people like Bastian Feinsteiger have signed, Daniel De Maria, um, and so many of them have just not worked out. So that's another reason why Manchester United fans uh, are circumspect, why they're, why they're cynical at the moment. So United fans need to see evidence that the club is not going down, that it's bottomed out, that things are... Are improving. That said, just over a, a year ago, Manchester United finished second and reached the Europa League final. I think the Europa League is more Manchester United's level. It's glory, glory, Man United. Trophies are important. No, none have been won since 2017, but just to enjoy going to football again. I know most football fans don't see their team win trophies. I know that Manchester United fans will watch the team regardless. Season six, it's sold out. Um, in no time, with huge numbers. It's not just about the game, why you go and watch um, football, but United have underperformed so badly given the resources that have been put into the squad uh, in the last few years. And he's got to get better. And I think it will get better because I think Eric Tenag is a, is a very good coach, but he'll need time, he'll need patience, just like all the other managers needed that as well. So if United can change this, cycle of okay you're in for two years we're not very good let's try another manager that would be great you said that there's such an obsession with the transfer window and like with Manchester United it is particularly easy to be swept up in the transfer window if if you read everything online because they're linked to it everybody uh, the, one of the real links at the moment is with Frankie de Jong and while Manchester United have been criticised in the past for getting I guess, caught up in a transfer saga that lasts the entirety of the summer. It does feel that the De Jong thing could turn into a saga, but it won't necessarily be Manchester United's fault. It's Barcelona trying to get every euro they possibly can, given their own financial situation. Uh, and I guess Eric Ten Hag, while he might be frustrated at the, the ongoing situation, he might just have to wait for a month or two before De Jong comes in. Is, is that basically the situation right now in, in that transfer dealing? Well, there's a lot more detail to it, and I've I've seen it from both sides. Um, divided my time between Manchester and Barcelona for a long time, so I've got contacts at both clubs. I don't blame Barcelona for getting as much money as they can for a player who they paid 75 million euros for, a good player, popular player, but one of the few players there who they can get a lot of money for. One of the few who's not a contract has got the right age profile, but he earns a lot of money. He likes playing for Barcelona. He likes living in Barcelona. So you've got to take into consideration what the player wants and 
you use the word saga, certainly was with Cesc Fabregas. I wrote a piece about that last week for The Athletic and I was all over that story in 2013, getting information from both ends. And even now, just filling in some blanks, such as David Moyes taking a call from Cesc Fabregas on the 1st of August that year, uh, as he was on the service station on the M5 on the way down to watch a game at Swansea. And Cesc saying to him, I will come and join United if I don't get selected in the first game of the season for Barcelona. He did get selected. Barcelona won 7-0, 7-1. He played well. And suddenly United were scrambling around and ended up with Marouan Fellaini, who they always want, wanted, but they also wanted Cesc Fabregas. Ferguson always said the players who are most difficult to get are the ones worth working for. You've got a situation with Manchester United where you've got multiple agents linking their clients to the club and fans, some of them who maybe don't understand the nuances of a transfer market, taking it at face value, thinking, oh, we're signing this player. Some of them are not on Manchester United's list. The vast majority of them are not on Manchester United's list. And yet fans hear a name, they don't know the player, they, they look into him, they Google him. Oh, this could be good. And then they get let down when that player moves somewhere else. It's very difficult for Manchester United to stop that. What do you want them to do? Come out and deny every single link. The 22 links to different players, 20 different players on one day last week alone. So the media know, and I have editors as well, uh, that transfer speculation sells. And it's, it's just absolutely nuts. It's a bit depressing, actually, for journalism. You could do proper journalism. You could do a big investigative piece. And it would be read one-tenth of the numbers of a, of a speculative transfer piece. And because United are a huge club, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's quite ridiculous. And I coined the term transfer junkie a few years ago because there are some people who are absolutely obsessed with signing players to the point that I joke that the team could almost stop playing matches and just sign players, just Focus entirely on signing players. Don't play any football matches. <laughs> and this is the world that Manchester United are in at the moment. They've courted a, a global fan base. All these people want completely different things. But the fundamentals with the moment are United need strengthening, will be strengthened, have a budget to strengthen, but are very reluctant to have the pants pulled down, as has happened many, many times in recent years for players because agents taking a huge cut know that Manchester United have got a lot of money and might think that Manchester United are desperate. What I think will happen with Frankie is that United will try and bring it to a head and get an answer, yes or no, because can't be chasing a player for the next two months. Uh, there's got to be better planning put in uh, than, than that. But he's a great player. I think he'd do really well. I've watched him an awful lot. I've spoke to a lot of professional football managers about him. And if he signed, that would be really good, I think, for Manchester United. I would have also said exactly the same, or almost, of almost all the players who have signed in the post-Ferguson years. What's interesting, this kind of brings us back full circle to the Richard Arnold's uh, chat, is 
what Manchester United have done in the transfer market in the past, which is paying above the odds for players, whether when it comes to, to, to transfer fees or to players' wages. And one of the lines that stuck out to me from the Richard Arnold hidden camera stuff was, hidden cameras actually probably do, is probably overstating what it was, the phone, the phone recording of him. Money is not a consideration in who we want. It's the, if the manager wants him. They've actually done the work on looking if he's a great player. And again, is it 100, is it 200, get who you effing want. Uh, now, I know he's not necessarily saying there that we'll splash money on whatever and we'll give the manager any sort of cash he wants. But it does say to me that there is a huge bank of cash there that Manchester United are willing to spend in a way that other clubs aren't. And I'm not necessarily sure that that part of the Richard Arnold chat is going to do Manchester United any favours in the transfer market. Well, it's not. And there is money there. And United are of the view that a lot of clubs don't have money still coming out of this COVID shadow. And United would have even more money if the team had reached the Champions League, but didn't. Uh, a lot of wages have been offloaded. Uh, United's wage bill was atro- atrocious, as was Barcelona. So they're in a, a difficult situation as well, a more pronounced situation than Manchester United. There's money there, and United don't want the pants pulling down. But if you want to buy a top, top player, you've got to play top money for it. I thought United did well in Jaden Sancho because Dortmund held out 110 million, 110, 110, 110. And United got him for 30 million less than that by negotiating pretty smartly. I'm not going to say now, after a pretty mediocre first season for Jaden Sancho, that that's a steal of the century because it clearly wasn't. But I think the way that United didn't jump in and didn't do as some fans say, break the bank, pay him what he wants. Because that has led to the problems of recent years. It's led to Alexis Sanchez getting paid what he wants. It was a disaster. Annoyed all the other players in the dressing room. There's got to be a level of dressing room harmony beyond individual names to make Manchester United start functioning as a team again. And you have players like Anthony Martial earning more money than Mohamed Salah. I know he's been more effective. He doesn't wear the red of Manchester in recent years and United have got to be smarter recruitment's got to be smarter Um, use of the funds because there's a massive um, budget there to pay players has got to be smarter as well but I'm saying all this from a position of weakness because uh, players will be looking uh, at the clubs and United are not as attractive as they once were but still very attractive still a huge club still got the name but you saw with um, Darwin Nunes, and United weren't seriously in for him, but could you blame him for going to Liverpool when you see the football there, when you see the manager there? You can understand why people are are looking at other clubs now. United are no longer top of the transfer tree. And that's probably the thing that's accelerating the uh, Twitter frenzy around Manchester United and being linked with players is that Liverpool have got Darwin Nunes, Manchester City have got Erling Haaland. Their two biggest rivals are two clubs that have already completed significant pieces of business. I don't think Manchester United should succumb to a Twitter frenzy, as you called it. I don't see Jurgen Klopp taking on board what Liverpool's Twitter fans are saying. You've got to be strong in your decision-making. And there's been times where Manchester United have been weak in their decision-making. And it leads to signing players because of a Twitter frenzy, because they're available at the right price, even though Manchester United know that they're not signing a player for the for the first team, which is which is ridiculous. The problem with the Twitter frenzy is they'll never be happy. 
So United could sign De Jong tomorrow and there'd still be people saying, well, what about another player? You could bring seven players in and they'd still want an eighth player. It's, that, it's the junkie thing. It's looking for the next hit all the time and it's dangerous. Well, that's fans. Fans are entitled to their opinions. It's the club who's got to be smarter in their decision-making, in their recruitment, uh, in their use of the huge amount of funds that they've got available. It's going to be an interesting summer. Uh, Andy Mitten, great stuff as, as ever. Thanks, Millie, for joining us. Thank you. Cheers. Andy Mitten there on the line reacting to a fairly interesting few days. Uh, the 1958 getting a, a, a lot of... Um, a lot of time under the microscope. An underground group of Reds intent on upholding the values of Manchester United, its culture and traditions, in case uh, anybody wanted to know.